So I've been playing this uh, this game with myself over the last uh, three, four months, however long it's been, where I try to pay attention uh, to what I say after I say it. And then what I'm trying to do is I'm looking for sentences that are totally ridiculous that would not have made any sense six months ago. So for example, uh, one of the things that I've said is I was like, oh no, no, I'm sorry. Worship is illegal. Uh, so we have to do it outside. Like that's a, that's a pretty fascinating sentence. I mean, if, if six months ago, if I, if I'd heard someone say that, I'd be like, really? That's weird. Or, uh, uh another sentence that I've said, uh, was, um, what was it? It was, uh, it was about, um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I never thought that I would hear, um, the Seattle police department, uh, send a letter saying, we're not going to protect you. Uh, you're on your own citizens of Seattle. <laughs> like, wow, six months ago, you'd said that you'd be like, wow, that's bizarre. Uh, another one, um, just yesterday, uh, I, I was talking to, uh, my lawyer and he said, um, what did he say? He said, uh, the Supreme Court has decided it's okay for Caesar's palace to operate, but not churches in Nevada. I was like, wow, what an awesome sentence that wouldn't have made any sense six months ago and now makes a ton of sense. And I keep hearing these, uh, this wor- these words over and over. I keep hearing unprecedented. I've never seen anything like this. Um, this, this, is, this is nothing that I've ever experienced, never thought that I would experience. This, is, this has never happened in American history. This has never happened in world history. What we're experiencing right now is it's unprecedented. It's brand new. It's, we're in uncharted territory. We're on ground that has never been tread before. And we're all wondering, what do we do with this? They're going to send Tori back to Boulder, Colorado, where she's going to live in the apartment that she's already agreed to live in and take her classes online because they can't go in classrooms. This never happened. When I was a kid, my dad uh, had this thing he loved to say. He would always say, uh, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Amen. Uh, and, 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 that, and that's actually, that's from the Bible. That's from Ecclesiastes 1.9. Uh, it says, it says um, what has been will be, what has been done will be done. There's nothing new under the sun. And I got to think, because I've been saying, I, like I said, I've been noticing like, wow, I'm saying sentences that don't make sense. I'm saying things, this is unprecedented. This is crazy. We don't know what's going on. We're lost. The, the, the whole world's in upheaval. Here we are. Now we're, we're, we've been kicked out of our sanctuary. So now we're, uh, although notice that the production values have remained totally stable. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Uh, also, uh, where's, did Jeff run away? Did Jeff run? Jeff donated like most of the, uh, oh, there he is. Je- this is all Jeff's equipment. So thanks, Jeff. Um, just letting us, uh, and, and then a bunch of people helped. We'll talk about that in a bit, but I mean, so even though we're all sweating a little more, uh, the, the production values remain constant, which is awesome, uh, but very odd, right? Well, there's nothing new under the sun. Is that true? Cause I've been saying over and over, I've been saying this is, this, we don't know what's going on. Everything's up in the air. It's all brand new. 
at uh, prayer breakfast two weeks ago, Gary, after we made the announcement that we're going to try and do church in a tent on the field, Gary said, he said, hey, it's going to be just like in the Old Testament. The tent of meeting. And, I, and that sparked my, I was like, because I hadn't, I mean, I'd like to think that I know the Bible pretty well, but I hadn't made that connection. And, and as soon as he said it, I was like, huh, that's interesting. And so the last couple of weeks I've been uh, reading in Exodus, I've been pouring through uh, Exodus and, and I just keep seeing uh, things that I'm like, wait a minute, this isn't new at all. The problem is not that what's going on is unprecedented or crazy or weird. The problem is we've forgotten who we are. The problem is we've forgotten our roots. We've forgotten our story. And we're, got, we're so caught up with, with whatever is happening out there. We've, we've lost contact with, with the, the story that forms us, that shapes us, our history, our people, our identity. And so I would like you to join me. Just three snapshots, three snapshots from Exodus. And we'll, I, I guarantee what we're going to see, the problem is not that this is new. The problem is that we've forgotten our roots. This, uh, this, first, this first text, and I don't know if you can see on the, the screens, but um, if you can, some of this will be up there. Um, this is from Exodus 40, 40, 33 to 38. If you can follow it on your phones too, you can just pull it up. So Moses finished the, uh, the, the tent of meeting. He, he finished building the tent that they're all going to worship in. And then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of Yahweh filled the tabernacle. Moses wasn't even able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, the Israelites would set out on each stage of their journey. But if the cloud didn't lift, then they did not set out until the day that it was taken up. And this is the very end of Exodus last verse. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, fire in the cloud by night before the eyes of all the house of Israel at each stage of their journey. So I, I have a picture from, uh, from Benjamin West, an American artist from 1800. He's actually most famous for doing a, a painting of Benjamin Franklin creating electricity, which is the thing that happened where Benjamin Franklin was like flying a kite and a lightning hit it and he had like keys or something, electrocuted himself. Crazy what Americans used to do. Now we're, you know, afraid to like go outside. But anyway, um, uh, so, so he, he had this picture of, of what it was the Israelites did. And, and the thing was, is that the Israelites, they were, they've been rescued from Egypt, right? They were slaves and they're going to be free and they're going to go to the promised land. But the problem is they don't have GPS. They don't have a, a map. They don't have anything. And so they're, they're exiting Egypt and they don't know where to go. And so what they need is something to follow. And so what God does is God creates like a, a cloud, that they follow at, during the day. And then at night, it's kind of like a torch. And really it's, it's, it's like, you know, Moses isn't their leader. God's their leader and he, God knows where they're going. And so he's going to show the way. And so you can think of the cloud kind of like God's like torch and the people sort of the rallying point where the people are following this whole nation's following God, wherever God goes. And then, and then at certain points, God like sets down the, the, the cloud or sets down the fire. And that means, Hey, we can relax for a little while. We can, we can, you know, we can calm down for a second and we can, we can, we can set up ten and go to sleep. But but look look at uh, look again at this at this text. Um, whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, whenever the ta- goes up, Israelites like okay now it's time to go. And whenever it comes down, they're like okay now it's time to stop. 
The Israelites have their own, you know, they don't, they don't know where to go. And so they have to follow something, right? They need, they need a rallying point. They need to know when to go, where to go. You might be thinking that you're sitting here because, what, Nate, what do you call him? Governor Hairgel. That's very disrespectful, Nathan. I, uh, I, I finally took a look at a picture. I, I think he's very attractive, personally. I think he's a good-looking man, Governor Newsom. I don't, is he married? Does he have a girlfriend? He's got both. What? You guys are so disrespectful. This is not cool. Honor your king, okay? First Peter 2. Um, you might think, you might think, recall. <laughs> Cool. Let's not. Okay, we don't, I don't want to lose our five hundred one c three status. So, <laughs> pipe down. Um, <laughs> you might think that uh, the reason we're here is because of, of Governor Newsom. That's not true. That's totally untrue. The reason you're sitting here honestly has nothing to do with Gavin Newsom. And, and now let me ex- explain what I mean. Uh, what I mean is that, that uh, the, the elder board when we met so. You know, we met to talk about like what to do with church after the uh, indoor worship ban. But before that even happened, okay, before that happened, uh, I'd been getting emails and phone calls and people talking to me being like, um, you know, this is super dangerous and it makes me really uncomfortable that we're not, you know, social distancing. Um, I know somebody who's had COVID-19 and it's a horrible, horrible disease and we should really, you know, be trying to protect each other. And at the time, we were doing the, uh, the indoor services, and, uh, and there was some concern there. And so when the elders got together, no one was sitting there like, like oh, we've got to obey the governor. The governor has nothing to say, and no authority and no jurisdiction over how the people of God worship God. There's no human authority that can tell Christians how they ought to or ought to. I and mean, they can say whatever they want, but they're not in charge. God's in charge. And the elder board is trying to discern what God's doing. The, the reason that we're meeting out here is not Gavin Newsom. It was an opportunity for us to rethink. It was because we sat there and we were like, hey, you know, we've got other things to consider, right? There's parts of the, the scriptures where elders are supposed to protect the flock, especially from disaster, financial disaster. We have to think about lawsuits. There's parts in scripture where lots of places in the New Testament where Paul's like the number one goal of Christians is to learn how to get along even when you disagree, he has this whole thing about like, you should, we actually read it a couple weeks ago. You should literally look at whoever's next to you and especially the ones you disagree with and you should think of them as better than yourself. And you should do whatever you can to accommodate their consciences. He has another bit in, uh, in, in Romans and also in 1 Corinthians where he talks about uh, the weaker brother or the person who doesn't have the faith of the same conscience that you have. And he says, you put up with it and you work with that person. You make sure that they're able to be free and, and in good conscience with the way that they gather and worship. And so when the elders got together, the elders weren't sitting there being like, ah, no America, freedom. The elders were like, hey, the scriptures say we need to take care of each other. We need to be responsible to each other. We need to find a way to get along. And if that means we've got to pitch a tent, we're going to pitch a tent. The Israelites, they had, you know, the, the, the cloud and the fire. That's what they followed. That's how they knew they were following God. What we have and what we've always had is the Bible. 
Scripture, it's the first thing in your note sheets, that the Israelites, they were able to follow the cloud, follow the fire. Well, we don't get cloud and fire for the most part, but we do have our story. We do have all the writings that tell us who we are and what our story is and how we respond to different circumstances. We do have the ways that we're supposed to get along and it's all been fleshed out. There's nothing that we are, there's no circumstance or issue that we're going to come upon that we don't have what we need to circumnavigate it because we've got the Bible. And oh no, there's a pandemic and there's Black Lives Matter and there's, there's upheaval and there's presidential elections, and there's violence. This is a new this is all, these things have always upheaval and, and, and tumult and confusion. They've always been a part of the people of God's story. Why were the Israelites meeting in a tent? Because they were escaping oppressive slavery in Egypt, a government that had it out for them. And we're meeting in a tent because we love each other. None of this is new. This is a little bit earlier. This is Exodus 33. This is so cool. Uh, I love the translation here. This is a new revised standard. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp. The point here is that the Hebrew does uh, suggest this. It's like a repeated action. So like the people would be hiking, you know, through the desert or the wilderness or whatever. And then as soon as like the cloud stops, they'd be like, oh, thank goodness. And then they would immediately start setting up camp. And so Moses, he used to take the tent, the tent of meeting, the place of worship, and he would pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. He called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought Yahweh would go to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise and stand, each of them at the entrance of the tent, and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. And when he entered the tent, the pillar would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and Yahweh would speak with Moses. So, like, he would go in the tent, and then, like, the, the doors would lock. Like, the pillar of cloud was there, and the people, like, couldn't get in. Uh, and when all the people saw the pillar of cl- uh, cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise and bow down, all of them, at the entrance of their tent. I went to Best Buy um, about a month ago. It was when we were less locked down than we are now. And so I assumed that my mother-in-law, Jane, needed a a new uh, Wi-Fi. Her Wi-Fi was terrible, and she wasn't able to stream uh, Netflix at 4K. And that's something that deeply injured my heart. And so I felt obligated to make sure that she had the... She doesn't even wear her glasses when she watches, so it doesn't matter. She can barely make out, like, the shapes on the screen... Uh, but it mattered to me, the principle of the thing. And so I, I, so I went to Best Buy, and I expected to walk in, but um, I don't know if you can see. I have a picture here. But uh, they've set it up so that there's, like, there's all these cones outside of Best Buy. And there's a person there who's like, stop. You may not enter. None shall pass. I'm like, whoa, Gandalf, glad you're here. And then, and you're like, and, and then they're like, oh, oh, see ya. Thanks, here. Uh, and they're, and they're like, like, oh, sorry, you can't enter. And I was like, but I really need. Uh, and they're like, what do you require? I'm like, oh, okay. Um, 
they're like, go park over there. So I go park and I, I put down uh, my window and I put my mask on and then this guy puts his mask on. He's like, what do you need? And I'm like, my mother-in-law can't watch in 4k. He's like, that's awful. And then he, I'm like, so what do we do? And he's like, I've got to, he pulled out his phone and he went through some apps and stuff. And he's like, well, there's this, there's this, there's this. Um, what do you think? And I was like, well, let's do that one. And he's like, okay, let me go consult with the Best Buy gods and see whether or not we got that. So he ran into the store um, and then he consulted with the, 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 the warehouse and then he came out and he brought out a couple of options. He's like, which of these would you like? And I was like, give me that one. And then he's like, stay behind the plexiglass screen. Here's my, your credit card. Da, 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 da. And we made the exchange. And that's literally exactly what the Israelites used to do with God. <laughs> they, 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 the God would set down the tent. Moses would set up the tent. He'd walk inside. And then uh, the people, whenever they wanted to consult with God or commune with God, they would come out. They would talk to Moses. Moses would like, da, 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 da. he would go in. The pillar would come down. He would talk to God. Then he would come back out. And he would be like, this is what God has to say or something like that. Now, I want you to notice the most important word in this text. It's, uh, it's everyone, okay? This is verse 7, 33, 7. Everyone who sought Yahweh would go to the tent of meeting. Uh, you could also translate anyone. Uh, the Hebrew is a little bit... You can do more with Hebrew prepositions and, and, and stuff in, in English. But anyone, everyone who wanted to inquire, and, and really the word's petition, right? Anyone who wanted to make a petition of God. What was that? Why were they thinking that way? Well, because they're, all, they're used to having a king, the Pharaoh, right? But the Pharaoh's gone, and they're free now. And so now they have a new king, God. And what do you do with a king? If you're a, a peasant or whatever in the ancient world, if you had sufficient standing and you knew some people and you had an in, you could go literally to the leader guy and you could make a petition before him. In fact, I think in the United States of America, they even used to do this. I, I, feel, I feel like when, um, I think it was Lincoln, I, I think in, that, in that, that movie about Abraham Lincoln, there's a part where he's like entertaining you know, just random people who come in, they're like, President Lincoln, my son died in the Civil War. And he's like, that's awful. Um, and it's a very, it's awkward for us because we're like, I couldn't go and talk to the president. Well, in the ancient world, is more, more like, like what we've got now where you weren't really allowed to go talk to the president or the king or whatever unless you were a big deal or you knew somebody, or you had a bribe, or something like that. What's interesting, what, what, what the, the, the Bible assumes, is that anyone, any of the people of Israel, can just go up to the tent and commune with God, talk to God, ask God questions, you know, praise God, leave an offering. It's radically democratized. In fact, it's, it's so difficult for Moses because Moses is just one guy. Uh, one of the reasons that, that God develops the priesthood is because Moses gets exhausted. He's like, I can't, can, I, can someone please help me? Like, they're, everybody's coming and, I, and he can't turn anyone away because Yahweh's not like kings. Yahweh's not like presidents. Yahweh, God, accepts everyone. Yahweh's grace is such that anyone can approach him with anything. And Yahweh receives that person. Yahweh's graciousness and, and, and goodness and mercy and loving kindness are so beyond what we experience, what we know, that the people at the beginning were shocked. They were like, well, anyone can just come to the tent and talk to God? And, and Moses is like, yeah, that's what Yahweh's like. And nothing's changed. If anything, God's... 
given us more access. You know, the, when the people were on their journey in their tent, they, they were working, uh, you know, trying to move the tents and put everything up there. And then they had to go through Moses and Moses went. And now because of Jesus Christ, any person here who's believed in Jesus has the grace of God to go before him. You have the grace of God that forgives your sins, that guarantees your eternal life. God's grace has been expanded beyond the people of Israel to all the peoples of the world that anyone, no matter where you're from, what you've done, no matter what you're doing now, no matter what you're going to do in the future, if you trust God, if you trust in Jesus, you are secure. His grace is sufficient for you. It's unprecedented. No, it's not. God was gracious to the Israelites 3,500 years ago. He's gracious to us now in 2020. He will be gracious to this church. We're 53 years old now. When we're 106 years old, God's grace is forever and it doesn't change. That's the next thing you know, Jesus. The Israelites uh, had to, when they wanted to commune with God, they, they went through Moses. We commune with God through the grace of Christ. If you know our motto, you might recognize the pattern in these note sheets. Bible, grace. This is awesome. Bezalel, this is uh, Exodus 36, 1 to 5. Bezalel and Ohilav and every skilled artisan to whom Yahweh has given skill and understanding to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary, shall work in accordance with all that Yahweh has commanded. Moses then called Bezalel and Oholav, and every skilled artisan to whom the Lord had given skill, everyone whose heart was stirred to come do the work. And they received from Moses all the freewill offerings that the Israelites had brought for doing the work of the sanctuary. This was a bit of a project. I'm not going to lie to you. And what's crazy is the tent, I mean, well. So I only did a little bit of work. I got here like early, like 9 o'clock, and uh, I was moving the boxes that these things came in. That, that just about did it for me. Thank God Lucas uh, showed up. Lucas, came, Lucas, what time did you get here on Sunday? Friday, right. Whatever time you got here. He called me at 7. He's like, are we doing this? I'm like, let's go back to sleep. Uh, Lucas wakes up at 4.30 every morning. He runs a marathon. And then he goes about his day. Um, but he came and he helped. And uh, after lifting the boxes, I was tired and my back hurt and I'd given up all hope. And so he kind of took over um, the construction of the, the tent. And uh, this tent is, I, I wouldn't say it's probably the highest quality tent that you could get, but it was really well-priced. Um, but one of the problems when you don't get the highest quality is um, the instructions aren't quite as good as... And so, like, I'm used to Ikea, um, and that's kind of like my... When I make an Ikea dresser, by the time I'm done, I've made, like, one mistake. I turned one thing around, so I have to undo all the screws. and you know, It's just a horrible, horrible experience, and I get angry, and I'm, I'm sweating a lot. And, um, and then Aaron's like, thank you for doing that. Like, leave me alone! Um... <laughs> I didn't even try with this tent because it was, instead of like Ikea where it's like step by step and they're like, now you need it. It's like a picture of a hammer. Like, this is how you use a hammer. Like, that's my speed. This thing was like, it was like looking at um, hieroglyphics. 
it was uh, it was like one picture, right? And Lucas didn't have like like a whole bunch of numbers and like arrows. <laughs> it was just like one thing. It was the most complicated thing I'd ever seen. So I just I just walked away and pretended like I had work to do. Um, and then like all the other uh, all the other um, people came and uh, and thank you so much for those of you who came. You know, uh, there was just like a billion of you and and that was awesome. Um, but Lucas and, and Ryan kind of took the lead there at the beginning and 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 really, I mean, wow. Uh, Pretty amazing, and then uh, you know Jeff showed up with uh, with all the equipment, and uh, Bill has hasn't slept in three days. He's been here since Friday and hasn't left the campus, trying to make all the connections and whatnot. Um, in the in the text there, when it talks about uh, Bezalel and Ohilav, the reason uh, they the Exodus names those people is that by the time uh, that the generations who've come after who are reading these texts or telling these stories to each other, um, they they know who Bezalel and Ohilav are, uh, and, and they're their ancestors, right? And they know they're like, oh, Bezalel, that's so and so's great great grandfather. I can't believe that guy was he was part of making that. T- that was amazing. And, and he was this incredible leather worker, and it's cool. He passed down his skill with leather working down so that even now all of his descendants were leather workers too. And so what he did for the tent of meeting, we do for our current situation wherever uh, they were. And all the different skilled artisans, when, when people come together, it, 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 the, there was different ways and, and times and experiences and contexts. But, but whatever people are doing to worship, it's God provides people with exceptional skills and, and, and amazing gifts, gifts that, that not everyone has. And, and all those people come together and it even says they're stirred in their heart to do the work. And the people whose hearts are stirred, they come and they participate and, and, and everyone gets together. And, and somehow in the midst of that, the tent gets put up and the AV gets plugged in and the piano starts playing and the people come and they meet with God and with each other. This is nothing new. If this feels new and weird and extremely hot to you, know your story. It was Bezalel and Ohilav and all the skilled artisans 3,500 years ago. And now it's all of you. It's all of us. And if we have to do church in a tent, we'll do church in a tent. In a sanctuary, a sanctuary. It doesn't matter. This is the next thing you're noticing. Last thing you're noticing. You know, it's it, tents, buildings, temples, homes, sanctuaries. It doesn't matter. The, the, the issue is, is that God's divine family has always come together to make worship happen. It requires a family. Bible grace, and family. This isn't anything new, guys. The world might look like it's burning to you. It might look like it's in upheaval. It might look like it's, everything's falling apart, but it's not. It's really not. Uh, that we're, like I said, 53 years, 4.2 pastors here. There was one guy who was here for like a year in the 80s, and no one remembers his name. But there's Ridge Ryan, Ridge Ryan, then there's Art Rutherford, then there's uh, uh, Ridge Ryan, then no-name guy for six months in the 80s. Arch Rutherford, Neil Anderson, 
Tommy Tom. We have very, very different styles, all of us. Ridge was a very much like, like doing an inductive Bible study, line by line by line by line. Arch read every single sentence in the entire Bible and found grace in it, which is true, and I'm not knocking it, but that was how he rolled. He was like, he couldn't, he couldn't read a scripture in the entire Bible without seeing God's grace. Neil, Neil, Neil did his homework, and, he, and he, he, got, he got all of the, the information, all the facts out. I talk about movies and science fiction. So everyone brings their like, you know, unique spin. But guess what we've all got in common? We start and we finish with the Bible. And that's what tells us where to go. That's what tells us what to do. That's where we hear the voice of God. And Ridge Ryan and Arch Rutherford and Neil Anderson and that one guy in the 80s and me, every single one of us will tell you that start to finish, God's unyielding, never quit, all the way grace is the first word, the current word, and the last word. And it doesn't matter how many riots take place in the United States of America. And it doesn't matter how many edicts come down from the governor. It doesn't matter how many people get infected with COVID-19. That's not changing. The story is the same. When Ridge was here, I mean, let's see, are bon, did Bonnie and Steve make it today? They got grandchildren in this church. They were here with, uh, they, they knew him. Um, and then, you know, Dan's here, Dan's got his kids here. I mean, probably not Justin, he doesn't want to be here. But, but maybe once he settles down, Brooke's here. Is Brooke here? Good job. That's why you have a lot of kids, so that not all of them disappoint you. Um, <laughs> Just you wait. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I mean, like, like, you know, how many people, let's, let's have, I mean, th- there are so many ki- people here who have grandkids playing on the playground right now. There are people who, who came here under Ridge. There's people who came here under Arch. There's people who came here under Neil. There's people who came here with me. And we are all the same family. The same people who are trying to get our kids to marry each other. We're the same people... <laughs> who are saying, we're saying, I don't care what goes on out there. They're not changing us. We're going to do us. And we don't want to be huge and perfect and awesome. We want to be us. We want to be what God called us to be. And that's it. And we want to be involved in each other's lives and stick to our guns and wait for the Lord to return. Bible, grace, family. If you are unsettled, if you are, think this is unprecedented, if you think the world is, on, is topsy-turvy and upside down, you have forgotten your story. The story remains the same. And we're going to keep telling it every week, in and out, whether we're in the sanctuary or out here on the field or meeting in a house somewhere because we're afraid of the Stasi. We're going to keep doing what we do. And we will rest on the eternal promise that God's grace remains and he will not fail us. Let's pray. Gracious God, we are so privileged to be your people. We thank you, God, for the the story that you tell in your scriptures that roots us, that grounds us. We thank you for the grace that saves and puts us at peace with each other. We thank you for the love you generate amongst your people here. Thank you for this tent. May this be our tent of meeting. 
as long as we need it. May our worship be true, our love be pure. And in every circumstance, we remember who we are in you. Bible, grace, family. Until the day you return and gather your church home and bring us to blessed peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.